Hey, howdy. Hi, welcome. This is Trent, and I am part of No Walls Worship, which is a alternative mobile off-site thing that we do, and it's something we do on the first and the third Sundays of the month at Crystal Creek Distillery here in Spicewood, and uh, tomorrow is the first Sunday of the month, and so that means we're doing No Walls, and we're doing it at the distillery, and it's going to be great, <laughs> like it always is. Uh, but it, it's wild to say that it's the first Sunday of November because, wow, November. And then in two weeks from Thursday, it's Thanksgiving. And then you know what that means. We're going to roll downhill and it's going to be January of 2019. And I'm excited uh, about the season, right? And and also excited uh, in just in a couple of days on that their Facebook, I'm going to post an event for our third annual Candles and Carols. And y'all... I've done. We, we're going to have done three candles and carols at the end of this month, and it's amazing. I love candles and carols, and if you don't know what that is, it's it's Angel's Eyes House. It's Christmas Eve Eve, this Sunday night this year, uh, where we'll all get together and we'll have a beer and we'll have a chicken fried steak if you like, and John will play some tunes, and then we'll play some Christmas songs, and then I'll say a word. And then we'll do some traditional carols by candlelight. And then the evening will be over, but it'll be magical. And we'll we'll start our holiday that way. I love it. So I bet you know somebody that would go and maybe somebody that's not part of your normal churchy circle. And you go, hey, this thing and you'd like it. And then they come and they go, hey, well, this is super casual. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah they do this every first and third. You should be part of it. And if you do that, that's great. And if you don't, then cool. That's fine too. Um, you come and we would love to see you and have you and enjoy the evening together. So do that. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that's it. I'm going to dive in and, and instead of giving you the title, you're going to hear the title in the little opening of the message. So uh, here we go. So when I when I do these no walls messages live uh, at the distillery, I don't usually tell folks the title of the message, but I do I do title every single one. Uh, there was one called "I Am a Fig Tree." Uh, there was another one called "Dance with Somebody." That's one of my favorites. Uh, another one called "Stop Grinding Your Teeth." And uh, the, one way to put this is these things are flowery, right? It's a flowery top a topper uh, to the words. And and here's a nerdy admission. I really like the titles. I, I get super excited about them when I get one right or when there's one that's particularly clever. But I usually tell folks uh, at No Walls what they are because truthfully, they don't really matter. They're decorative. And, and the truth is, even you, when I tell you the titles uh, on the recording, you're not going to even remember them. Y'all, if I'm lucky you'll remember part of a story, right? If it's good, you'll remember part of a story. Um, but what, I, what I'm aiming for, and I think more than anything that I've got a chance for you to remember, and, and remember is probably even the wrong word, maybe you'll register something. You'll, you'll have something planted in you. Um, inside will be just a feeling of how it felt to listen or how it felt to be there at No Walls. That's that's the best case scenario. Uh, but but I'm going to break my pattern and I'm going to give you the title. I'm going to give the folks at No Walls tomorrow the title. 
And the reason is because it's really the central thing I'm trying to work out. It's the the thing in my head that this talk is trying to um, make math of. Uh, and, it's, and it's a question. Do you want to be a flower or a seed? Do you want to be a flower or do you want to be a seed? And what I'm wondering now is if you had an immediate reaction to that question. I, I, um, I wrote my wife uh, on my company instant messenger or little digital communicator thing uh, the other day. Isn't that cute? Uh, we both work at the same company so we can IM back and forth throughout the day at work. But I was struggling this week with the message because, well, I was, what I mean by struggling is it's the week of Halloween. And so Halloween Wednesday night was a busy night. And then Tuesday night we were sleepy and we wanted to watch this is us. And so I watched this is us and fell asleep on the couch and then Thursday night we had softball and I was like, okay, well maybe after softball and I was super sleepy and just wanted to eat a Snickers bar and fall asleep on the couch again. So that's the kind of struggling <laughs> that I was having with the message this week. So anyway, I message Mitzi and I say to her, uh, do you want to write my message for me this week? And she writes back, uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> and then I say, please. And she says, no. Maybe you can write about H-E-B again. You, this could be your H-E-B sermon number 42. Isn't she funny? Um, but then I say, well, I've got a title. All you got to do is write a message. And I tell her the title. The title is, Do You Want to Be a Flower or a Seed? And y'all, my wife will never be accused of being indecisive. She messages, messages me instantly. Uh, and says, I want to be a flower and making friend. And I want to be a flower because I can make friends with the birds and the butterflies. <laughs> and then she didn't type it at the end, but there was an understood duh at the end of that sentence. Of course, I want to be a flower. And y'all, this little, simple, silly, stupid bank instant message exchange unstuck me because it got me thinking, yes, yes. Um, of course we want to be flowers. Y'all, there's, there's this part of doing this, doing this thing where I write a message and I put on a microphone and I stand in front of people and I put my words into, or put my thoughts into words and stories and sometimes I get a laugh. Um, and we're a couple of times a month in a distillery that makes moonshine in the middle of Spicewood, Texas, I get to be a flower, right? And and y'all, it, it feels good when you like the message. It it feels good when you laugh. It feels good when you feel with me what I'm feeling as I deliver it. I I remember vividly the first time I did a talk at the Bee Creek Main Campus, and I think I've told you this story before. I I walked off the stage feeling pretty pumped. I walked off wanting to do it again. I walked off feeling like a flower with my petals spread. And Laura, our lead pastor, was said to me, because I was kind of struggling it, struggling with it. She said, Trent, it's it's okay to like it. <laughs> and uh, right? And isn't that funny that I was struggling with it that because it's church or because it's the holy word of God, it can't feel good, right? I can't like it. I can't feel like a flower. What about pride, right? Um Anyway, I, I think it was good advice, but I, I've added something to that advice. It's okay to like it. Um, the advice I've added is it's okay to like it 
as long as that's not the only reason you do it. I'm, uh, I'm reading this biography uh, about Michael Jordan, and by reading it, you should know, I mean, I've read the first 70 pages, I put it down, I got excited about another book that I bought, got distracted, and now feel guilty for not finishing the MJ biography. Um, that's what I mean by I'm reading it. Um, but, uh, but, but Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan is, ah, I mean, the ultimate flower. Would, would you agree with that? Whether you have watched a second of basketball or not, you understand me when I say the Michael Jordan of something. Yes? The Michael Jordan of calligraphy. You understand that right away. The Michael Jordan of making moonshine. You get it. The Michael Jordan of alternative worship services and spice with that meet in distilleries. <laughs> And um, all this is for a player who won his last championship 20 years ago and hasn't played in over 15 years. Y'all, even today, once or twice a month, I hear some talking head on sports TV debating, is LeBron or MJ the best ever? And y'all, if you grew up watching basketball in the 90s, you understand this. There was something about the way he played, something about the way he moved as if him going half speed, him trying at 75% effort was twice as fast and twice as good as everybody else on the court. And not only did he just do spectacular things, and including defying gravity, y'all, there was literally a special on sports television titled, Can Michael Jordan Really Fly? And they had scientists on to try to explain the physics of his dunking. <laughs> He did all of this in a way that looked effortless and convincing and in the moment while he was playing, there was no question he was the best who ever lived. I used to pretend to be Michael Jordan in my room with the basketball goal that hung over, the, over my closet door. Talk about the ultimate flower. I wanted to be like Mike. But what I want to get into now is... is um, I want you to understand some of the seeds that grew that flower. Michael Jordan's high school coach, uh, his name was Pop Herring. Uh, Pop was one of the men responsible for recognizing Jordan's talent. Uh, he was one of the ones responsible for pulling him into the game of basketball. Jordan's first love was baseball, and he was pretty dang good at it. Uh, Pop Herring uh, received his education at a little school called North Carolina College where there was a basketball coach named John McClendon. Now, McClendon not only coached the basketball team there, but McClendon also recognized that there was a need in the community, a need in the nation really, um, for more qualified black coaches and teachers. And this is at a time where the racial divide, the racial division, tension, everything at its peak and so this, this program that he created to educate coaches and teachers in North Carolina was not only a high need, but it was also one of the first of its kind in the nation. McClendon himself, when he was admitted to college as a young man, he was not allowed to play on the basketball team or swim in the university pool. And this is, um, this is the part I want you to hear McClendon said about his early coaching career that the biggest challenge he faced 
as a coach was overcoming his black athletes belief that they were inferior to white athletes. Years of culture where they were treated as less than played out on the court. And so they would lose to less talented, less gifted players because of their beliefs. John McClendon planted in his players, his students, generations of coaches and teachers, a belief that they were good enough to compete with anyone. There is no Pop Herring without John McClendon. There is no Michael Jordan without Pop Herring. There is no Michael Jordan without John McClendon. And there is no John McClendon without James Naismith. And that name should sound familiar. James Naismith was the white Canadian-American PE teacher who her first hung up a peach basket in a gymnasium in 1891. And he was also the same James Naismith who met and respected right away a young John McClendon in the early 1930s and quietly went around to a few high schools and pulled some strings to get John McClendon his first high school coaching job. Friends, there are flowers and there are seeds. You know the name Michael Jordan, but James Naismith, maybe Pop Herring, John McClendon. Friends, it's easy, it's easier to appreciate the flowers. It's hard to see the seeds. Now, two thirds into this thing, um, I want to read you some lines from the book of John. This is chapter 12, it's uh, verse 24 and 25. Now for some context on this, because this is a bit of a short read, uh, in John 12, um, we're getting close to the end of Jesus' work, and he's beginning to prepare his friends, his brothers, that where all this is going, this, this work that they're doing, He's preparing them that it's leading to their to his death. And y'all, this idea that y'all understand this, they're they're at peak momentum. People are being healed, crowds are gathering, the buzz is growing, the ministry is flowering. There is a promise in the culture of a leader who will one day set things right, that will lead, that will be bright and beautiful, that will be a flower to rule the nation. And he starts preparing folks with this thought. This is not going to end the way you think it is. And Jesus' friends are struggling with this idea. And then Jesus says this, John 12, 24 and 25, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But the death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Now, Jesus goes to the farm a lot. 
do you understand that he he uses lots of farming and nature examples in his speaking and he does so here again he talks about a kernel of wheat a corn of wheat which makes a ton of sense right because he's speaking to an agricultural society and y'all i i think you miss i i know i miss we miss a level of urgency a level of dependency and frankly a level of natural understanding that the people hearing this story and this analogy would have gotten and i think we miss it because we are so disconnected from the earth you can walk into heb in the middle of winter and buy a peach and yes maybe it's not going to be as sweet and tasty because it's not from fredericksburg but you can get that peach because they shipped it in from mexico and the season doesn't matter when we're having a particularly bitterly cold fall when it's 48 degrees in the morning and 68 and sunny at midday and you have to endure the harsh trek to the car in your insulated garage and wait out the three minutes and 32 seconds it takes for your butt warmer to get going y'all you don't even have to plant seeds <laughs> you know you go to home depot and you buy a plant that's already flowered and y'all that's all awesome right I love peaches and toasty bottoms and ferns as much as the next guy. I'm just saying we, we might be missing something deeply true that these people understood immediately. They were dependent on the earth. They were desperate for the seed to turn to crop. They were anxious over a cold winter lives were counting on the seed to take they understood the miracle of what it meant for a seed to die and come back to life for a new harvest and here jesus says to these people who understand this deeply i'm not going to be a flower i'm going to be a seed it will be my sacrifice, not my miracles, not my leadership that changes the world. I was texting for, back and forth with Scott and John about the music for this Sunday, and I sent the verse, um, John 12, 24 through 25, and Scott wrote back, whoa, that's a powerful verse. And he's right. There's something deep and core and true in the ordering of the world in these words that I can't even begin to do justice. But what I think I can do is point to something simple. There is no flower without a seed. One more example and I'll close. You all come here and the folks that come to Know Walls come and they appreciate the band. I mean, I, I don't think you can come and listen to the band play and not feel moved and appreciative of who they are as people and who they are as musicians. 
But what folks don't see is all the work um, that goes into making ha- making it happen. You don't see John in the airport on the way back from a European tour, texting back and forth with me, trying to get the spirit of the message right. Um, you don't see Scott pouring through YouTube clips and hours spent practicing on his guitar and his banjo. You don't see the teachers and the grandparents and the other influencers who inspired their love of music, who inspired them to put in the work. You don't see the the powerful moments that mattered in their lives that triggered the memory that made them think, oh yes, this is the song that goes with that truth. You don't see Abra reading the verse over her lunch break in prayer, looking for inspiration. You don't see John encouraging her and helping her know how beautiful she sings. You don't see John working with his eye on the drums, helping him learn a new rhythm for a new song. And you don't see the energy and the love that is created and the power of a father and son working on their craft together. And you you don't see, and you probably won't ever see, how music will change Zai's life how that will be planted in him forever and how music will always be part of his life. You won't see that even when John is gone, God forbid, Zai will carry his father with him in the drums. You see the flower. The flower is beautiful. You don't always get to see the seeds. And as I finish this up, I'm starting to realize that this title, Do You Want to Be a Flower or a Seed, might be the wrong one. Because there isn't an either or answer here. It's not a choice between a flower or a seed. There is no flower without a seed. And that's it. Uh, This was fun. Thanks for listening. Next time.